In April 2003, my wife Julie and I had been married for less than two years when we found out that we were pregnant with our first child. It's an understatement to say that we were excited. In the weeks after seeing positive on the home pregnancy test, well, to be completely honest, on about five home pregnancy tests, we started to record prayers and dreams for this future Bradner. At our second doctor's appointment, we were blindsided with the information that there was no heartbeat. Julia had suffered a miscarriage. We were absolutely devastated. Being our first of our friend group to get married and then pregnant, we hadn't even considered miscarriage was a possibility. In the months that followed, the pain was real. It went deep in both of us, and this shattered dream uncovered a lot. We would never choose to go through something like that, nor would we wish it upon anyone else. Yet when we are honest, something significant happened in that trial at that time. God did something in us. While the scars were real, the change in us was as well. This experience was one of many where we got to see firsthand the reality that God often uses trials and the timing of them for His purposes. The scripture is full of passages where we see this convergence of trials and timing. Lately, one of them that I've been meditating on is found in the 11th chapter of John's Gospel. This is a chapter where we hear about the death of Lazarus and Jesus' encounter with his sisters in the days that followed. The whole chapter is gold, but I want to focus on two observations that we see in the first seven verses. Starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. The first thing that jumps out in these verses is the observation that everyone experiences trials, even those loved by God. John is very purposeful to highlight more than once that Jesus loves Lazarus, and he still got sick. Jesus loves his sisters, Mary and Martha, and they still faced a trial. I find comfort in the reality that everyone experiences trials, even those loved by God. And from Jesus' words at the outset, it's clear that this trial has purpose. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In the two verses that follow, we see that God not only has purpose in trials, but also the length of time that we are in them. Verse 6 and 7 of John chapter 11. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. This is a bit shocking at first. It's one thing to say that God allows even those he loves to go through trials. It's another thing to see that he doesn't always immediately rescue us. God is not like the young parents who finally decide to let their baby cry itself to sleep. Then, after about five seconds of hearing their child cry, the parents rush in the room and immediately give comfort. Jesus doesn't do that here. He allows some time to go by, 
because God has purposes, not only in trials, but also the time that we are in them. Earlier, I mentioned that while the pain after the miscarriage was real, the change in us was as well. If I had to summarize what it was that happened in me during that trial, at that time, I would say it was this. The thought of being a dad went from a sense of entitlement to one of privilege. Before the miscarriage, I wouldn't have said it, but in my heart, I thought being a parent was a given. It's not hard to see why I would think this way. After our wedding, the question Julia and I got asked most often was, when do you two want to start having kids? If you get asked this enough, you begin to think it's up to you. I didn't think about whether we were able to have children. I just needed to figure out when, because having kids was my right. I was entitled to it. Through the pain and within the process of wrestling with God over the loss of that first pregnancy, I began to see that having children wasn't a given that I'm entitled to. It was to be given if God decides to. That's when God began to open my eyes to see verses like Psalm 127.3, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. I remember thinking, God, I'm not sure if I'll ever be a dad, but if you choose to give, I will receive them as a privilege. Seventeen years later, Julia and I have the privilege of being mom and dad to five kids. Isaiah 16, Toby 14, Coleman 12, Eliana 10, and Benson 5. One thing is certain. We received all of them as a gift from God. We feel privileged to be their parents. I'm not saying that every day as a dad is Pleasantville, but I am confident that my children are growing up in a home with parents who view the opportunity to parent them as a privilege because they are a gift from God. This happened in me because God has purposes through the trials we face and the timing in which we face them. To end, I want to share a quote with you by the 19th century South African writer and pastor Andrew Murray. I'm going to read the quote in full and then invite you to join me as we pray through it. Before I begin, I would encourage you to close your eyes, breathe, and think about some of the trials you are currently facing. When the Bible speaks of trials, it often uses the phrase, of various kinds. Maybe you have significant trials, physical sickness, relational brokenness, job loss, or maybe there are silly trials, those squirrels keep knocking over your bird feeders. Whatever trials you have, and we all have them, get some in your mind. Now listen to Andrew Murray. In times of trouble say, First, God brought me here. It is by his will that I am in this troubled place and that I will rest. Next, he will keep me in his love and give me the grace in this trial to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again. How and when he knows. Say, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, and for his time. Let's pray. God, you tell us that each day has enough trouble of its own. You also promise that you're an ever-present help in trouble. Will you help us to believe that we are not alone, 
Help us to have the faith to know that you are aware, alert, and with us. Within our trial, we pray that you'd be gracious to us as a good father is to his children. Help us walk through this in a manner worthy of you and in a way that demonstrates the comfort and confidence we have as children of God. Teach us during this time. As James says, let our trials be used to bring us to a place of greater maturity. Lastly, help us to have patience and to trust that you can and will bring us out of this in due time. Help us to remember that the only thing that will last forever is eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a production of Gospel Community Church. I'm Matt Bradner. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and give us your comments. If you want to reach out to us directly, email us at info at gospelcc.org.